I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Mito. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What is going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means that you are certifiably awesome. If you don't know me by now, my name is James Milley. I am the managing partner and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for artists in the U.S., and one of the top resources for all things art, artists, and marketing of your art. I am also one of our two hosts here on the Artist Business Plan alongside Alex Mito, which now reaches over 5,000 monthly listeners in 90 countries around the globe and growing every single week. Today, we have got Jason Chen here with us on the mic. Jason is going to share an awesome masterclass with you today on how to skillfully present your work. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to hear what he has to say. But first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you ABP listeners. Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and not sure about the next move for your career? Good news, those days are over. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine art fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we are offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. We can't wait to welcome you to the Superfine community and start helping you sell more art today. All right, so we are back here with Jason Chen and we are ready to change the way that you think about your art career. Jason Chen is a Philadelphia-based photographer who specializes in fashion, editorial, and alternative process photography. He is also the co-founder and co-owner of Paradigm Gallery and Studio and Juggling Wolf. In 2012, Jason shifted his dry plate tintype practice to photo weaving. He began using two images taken within seconds of each other, then cutting and weaving them together. Because of his background in film and animation, Jason explores ways to incorporate the fourth dimension, time, into his work. Photo weaving allows him to do this by exploring movement and mutation. His artwork has been featured in galleries across the country and overseas. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Jason. Hi, James. Thank you so much for having me. I very much encourage anyone listening out there to pause for one second and go check out Jason's work because if my description did not sound cool enough, you're going to have to take a look at it for yourself. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I I have goosebumps just listening to you talk about me. (laughs) (laughs) Now, before we dive into it, Jason, I want to ask you something just to help our listeners get to know the real you. What is the earliest memory that you have of art? I have actually been interacting with art pretty much my whole life. I didn't realize my my grandfather was actually like a Play-Doh kind of artist on the street where he would make these little tiny figurines that to sell on the street. But I never really noticed that until later in my life when my dad told me about that. I, you know, watch a lot of TV, cartoon and anime growing up. So that's kind of like my uh, my association with art earlier in my year. 
And then I took my very first art class that's not really associated with school when I was in the fourth grade. And that's like the first time anyone had told me that like, oh, you actually are pretty good at this. So I I would consider that's my very first encounter of art. Yeah. So kind of start like, you know, really getting this formal education starting in the humble fourth grade, but actually having these experiences earlier on that at first glance, you don't realize, but actually they're, you know, they're very foundational in how you're looking at art and experiencing it and what it means to you, especially when you're, you're kind of very involved in, you know, the quote unquote capital art world, it can feel very cerebral and very, uh, you know, conceptual, but really at its core, you know, we, we all experience art from even an early age. So that's a, that's a great story, Jason. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Like I, I keep, you know, telling people that like art is everywhere, like even down to the books you read, like the, the typography, that is a type of art. Today's lesson, art is everywhere. Jason, we're going to get into a lot more advice that you have to offer. So I, I really hope that's not the best one I can give today. <laughs> I'm very confident that we're going to learn a lot more from you today. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Jason, my first question is, you have a fascination with time coming from your animation background, and you use that in the presentation of your photography. How did you get involved in both of these practices? And how do they both influence your style and your work methods? Cartoon and animation has been in my life since I was a very young child. At the time, like it just feels like magic, beautiful images showing up on TV, right? And it moves. Like you don't see that anywhere else but on TV. So to me, it it just feels like magic. Decades later, I decided to go to school for animation, but then I fell in love with photography. <laughs> they always have been kind of like my left hand and right hand kind of kind of thing. They both feel very intuitive to me. I kind of adapted to doing stop motion animation. So it's it's a combination of both photography, filmmaking, and, and animation. So, you know, we still use the photography principles and animation principles to create moving images. That has been my practice for the past 10 years now. Oh my God, 10 years. And fascinated with the element of time. I always wanted to figure out how can I incorporate that into my fine art, my 2D work. And like you said earlier, I dabbled in tintype photography mainly because I get to watch it develop, you know, so like you can see that in real time. And then I decided to to change because it just wasn't doing a whole lot for me in terms of like, hands-on experience, taking the time to really take in the piece itself and also conceptualizing the piece itself, like what it what it feels like to me, what it means to me. And a lot of the time, my 2D work reminds me of glitches between digital codecs and and like in between frames. There's this one film that I watched that it's called Super with uh, Wayne Wilson and at the time Ellen Page, now Elliot Page. There's one line in there that really catches me. It's like, this is what happened between frames. And that particular moment, it speaks so much to me that there's a lot of behind the scene we don't see, but those are 
also important. So that's how it kind of became my my philosophy about my work. Yeah, I really like also kind of the two sides of the coin that is time, right? You know, there's the animation, which is taking single frames and turning it into this moving thing. Whereas photography, it's taking time and it's actually capturing this one moment in it. Even though one moves and one is still, they're both about time, which I think is is really cool that you're exploring it in these different ways. And also kind of what you're saying about like, you know, your work being uh, almost like a glitch, like what's happening, you know, between these these two frames. I think that's really exciting with with your woven photography, the way that you're taking two things that are really similar. And, you know, I think that's where your photography and your animation actually overlaps because, you know, animation, the way that it starts to look realistic is because each frame is not too different. It's not like you're, it's not like a totally different image. It's like the next moment in time. And, you know, with your woven photography, it's, it's only the next moment in time because you're taking the photos like just a a second apart. Absolutely. So what would be your top three tips on how an artist can best present their work? For me, at the very least, as a curator, looking at artists' work, the top three things that I really uh, look at is really good photography of your work. Any kind of work, anything visual, you want to present that, you have to learn how to document it. I remember listening to the, the episode you guys talked about with, with Danielle Klaus. Everything she said, I'm just sitting there and be like, oh my God, yes. Oh my God, yes. Every single time she said something about like hire a photographer to like document your work professionally, put it in a gallery and have have like professional photographer take pictures, document your work in the space. Like those are like music to my ear when she said that. And so that would be my top one advice that I would give artists. And then number two would be make sure your name and or whatever you want people to search is consistent throughout all platform so that you are searchable. So as a curator, not only if I'm interested in your work, I want to see what is your process as an artist and what is your art collection looks like. And because I, I, I would like to see how your work grow or, you know, however much you allow someone to see too. So it's not like, you have to do all of that, but at the very least, make sure you are searchable. So when I type in the name, I'm looking at, at exactly what you're presenting me. Like that would be another very important pet peeve of mine. Like there's a lot of people submit to us. They not only have photo that are kind of subpar, really underlit, the colors not coming through. So I, I wanted to research like their name just to see if they have like an Instagram or something where I could see a little bit more on a different angle, maybe I'm, you know, judging this too quickly. So I'm, I'm, I'm really giving them the benefit of a doubt and really trying to help them help me understand their work. You have no idea how many times I came up short on that. Not only I can find their, their online present and I, I understand not everybody wants to do social media. I get it, but at the very least have something that's searchable. Or at the very least, when you submit, have something really concise and like really well-documented photographs. That would be my second advice. And third advice, at least Instagram, it's very easy to control the content that you're providing and, and sharing with anyone. So it's actually not a bad idea to use that because it's already a platform that 
already have a pretty good SEO built in to the platform itself. So if anyone search your name or search your handle, Instagram will most likely be the top one or two on Google. So that's already helping you being a little bit more visible to curators or people that are really looking up your work and stuff like that. So that will be my number three. So just to recap everyone. So first off, make sure you have really high quality photos of your work. This comes up so frequently with the guests that we have here on the podcast. It's very true. You could have wonderful work if it's fuzzy or if there's small JPEGs or if it's dimly lit, you know, you're really not putting your best foot forward with it. Luckily, you know, nowadays, like most phones have like at least a decent camera. If you, if you don't have a DSLR camera, there's other options, you know, find a friend that has a camera and just make sure that you have like really nice, clean photos of your work. It, it really does make a difference. Number two, you know, make sure that your name is easily searchable and that you can be found across all platforms. Also, Jason, I liked what you said about having it be clear the the growth or the evolution of your work. That's another question we get a lot from artists is, should I be showing my older work? Is that all right? You know, I'm trying a new series. I'm trying something different. And as long as you can see that thread, I definitely encourage artists to show their older work because it, it shows growth. It shows like kind of where your mind is going with your work, but also make sure that it's really clear hey, this is my older work, you know, take a look at my new work. Here's how I'm growing. This is what I'm working on right now. And then lastly, use Instagram and other free platforms to your advantage, especially platforms that people are familiar with. It really is not unprofessional to use your Instagram as a portfolio. You know, a lot of galleries, uh, art fairs, (laughs) um, a lot of people do, they're familiar with with using that as a way to, to look at someone's work. And it's all the same format. So someone knows how to like navigate it. And as as great as it is to also have your own website, it doesn't hurt to have an Instagram because someone might naturally, if they, let's say they hear about you from one way or another, they might actually go onto Instagram first before trying to Google your name. So you want to make sure that you're searchable on both. I think that's really great advice, Jason. Right. And James, I want to um, add on to that. I, I do realize how privileged that sound because you know not everyone are able to afford a smartphone or uh, able to afford a digital camera or or any of those but if you are an artist that are really taking yourself seriously you want your collector to take you seriously as well like those are valuable investment that you should be making and i don't mean like go out there and buy a camera now. I mean, like (laughs) make friends with, with uh, photographer friends and do trades with them, maybe collaborate with them on different projects and then build up your portfolio that way. Like let's do 10, 10 of my pieces. And then, you know, I'll help you with something or like it's doable, but obviously art is also a very like privileged thing. And I absolutely understand that. I, I totally understand, Jason. And and it really is. I mean, you know, we're here, we're artists listening in. They're, they're here. They want to be taking their, their art seriously. They, they, you know, it's their career. And getting good quality photos of your work, it's an important step. It's an investment into your own career. And like you said, it doesn't mean that you have to go out and buy the latest iPhone or go and buy a really expensive DSLR camera. It could be doing like a, an old fashioned barter with a, with a friend or, or someone that you know who might have a camera 
whatever it is, basically the the most important thing here is is that those photos are really valuable for for you in your career. Absolutely. And that also being said, it's it's a time saver too, you know, like the the more exposure you you have that you create for yourself, the easier people are able to find you and and give you the opportunity that you need. Cool. All right. So, Jason, moving on, I want to talk about Juggling Wolf for a little bit. So, Juggling Wolf is your animation studio and you have some pretty big clients that you create for. Does this feel like a day job to you or do you find it as rewarding as creating your other artworks? And then also as a follow-up to that question, do you have any recommendations on how an artist can incorporate creativity into their day jobs? First of all, I'm usually not the only one animating or uh, working on the job. So a lot of it, it's a teamwork. And most of the time we would have clients on site or you know an art director on site to like help guide the the look that they want. So a lot of it it's us exercising as more of a contractor and an animator rather than having uh, too much of our creative input. I mean obviously we we have creative input in terms of animation principles and stuff like that. But besides that, it's more of an exercise for us as an animator to like just keep keep animating, you know? So it's it's a different kind of muscles when I'm doing personal work and doing creative work myself and doing animation work for clients. Obviously, some project we're more involved into like creating the concept and stuff like that. So in that sense, yes, we could have our saying in it, but still it's about the brand. It's about the product first. So, you know, we take creativity wherever we can, but a lot of the time it really is just being a contractor. Yeah. I, I like what you said about it being um, using different muscles for the two, right? So yeah. even though both are creative, there's a different goal in mind for each. One is bringing your own visions to life and and you know having those be something that you share with people who you know ultimately want to buy them and put them on the walls of your home or you know whatever it is. I mean, if anything, too, like it could be a reverse process too, as in like if I'm doing something on a job and I'm like, oh. I could probably use this exact same technique or different, uh, like this, this same style and try it on my personal work. Like that could have happened, but a lot of the time it's just a different muscle when I'm, when I'm working. And a lot of the creativity kind of comes in the conceptual stage rather than the actual production stage. Yeah, absolutely. And the same thing happens for me between, uh, my own photography and, uh, and super fine is, there's a bit of creative overlap in terms of uh, how how I'm looking at my art and how I'm developing my own art business and also super fine. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that also being said too, like if I, even if I want to, like I can't separate them like really that cleanly anyway, like if, if that answer your question or even model your question a little bit, because it's all in my head, a lot of it too. So it's not so much about like whether or not I bring one thing to another or or vice versa, but also just exercising different kind of uh, different muscles. Yeah, exactly. And something else that I really like that you said was about teamwork and how specifically for what for what you do and in, in, um, animation and design, there's a whole team of people um, that are that's going into it. Yes. While it's not necessarily this for, you know, an artist's own practice, a lot of the times artists uh, fall into the category of being a solopreneur, which is basically, you're an entrepreneur, but you kind of 
you wear a lot of different hats. You're not just the artist, but you're the marketer, you're the salesperson, you're the social media manager, you're all of the above. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, the, the accountant, everything. Yeah. So there's actually something that I use for my own art that I really recommend artists look up. It's called the side project sales checklist. And then there's also one that's the side project marketing checklist. It's basically a really comprehensive list of everything that you would need to do for both of those things, sales and marketing. It goes over like the details of newsletters and uh, digital advertising and, you know, setting up CRMs, things like that. You know, it's not necessarily that you need to do every single thing. If you're struggling to figure out, you know, what exactly are steps that I need to take, you know, like a bank of things to choose from, it's a really good place to go. So we'll include a link to that in the show notes. Oh, good. I don't have to like actually write it down real quick. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Awesome. Uh, well, Jason, we're going to come right back and everyone out there, Jason is going to tell you more of what you want to know about gallery selling your work and much more. But first, a message from our sponsors. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you take the next step and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fairs. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we're offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. So Jason... You opened your gallery right out of college, which is awesome, by the way. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. What inspired you and Sarah McCorriston to open Paradigm Gallery and Studio? And what works does the gallery champion and, and why? So um, Sarah and I have um, collaborated uh, during our college years quite a bit. I was taking like fashion editorial photography class and Sarah was in the theater department. So she like helped me with wardrobe and makeup. And so, and we worked really well together. We created some really fun images and, you know, we are always able to like bounce ideas off each other. So after uh, we both graduated, we are both looking for a studio space to like do our own work. One day we, we we're sitting down having dinner and we're just talking to each other about like what our next thing should be like what is our next collaboration should be where where can we show this where can we like we're just like you know just throwing ideas out and you know I always have an idea in my head it was like you know what if we we have a studio space where uh, when we are using it will be our workspace but when we're not working we'll turn it into a gallery space so. We can like showcase our work and our friends' work since we have a ton of friends, you know, from college, and they all each does really amaz amazing work. So Sarah kind of took that to heart, and the next thing I know, she's like calling me to check out a a vacant space, and that's eleven years ago. <laughs> I love it. You know, artists out there listening, if 
this is something that you're interested in, it's really a smart idea to combine your studio space and gallery space. Even if you just take a couple other fellow artist friends that you have and you share that studio space, if you have any type of uh, interest and motivation to uh, to produce your own shows, it can be really valuable. I, I know a lot of artists, including ones that have exhibited in Superfine, who they've created, you know, like a small collective or, you know, a, a gallery that is, you know, an artist-run gallery. It's it's such a smart way to get started and kind of share in the the steps it takes to to show your work. And Jason, like you were saying, it's it's an opportunity to also have exhibitions a little more consistently. Like you're you're in control of creating those exhibitions for your work and the artist's work that you know you're connected with. So it's it's so smart to to, to at least explore. <laughs> but James, do you know what the funny thing is? Both me and Sarah only probably show like a handful of time at, at Paradigm oh, yeah. <laughs> during our 11 years run. <laughs> yeah, you know, it happens. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I, you know, I, I love what I do and I love Sarah's work, but, you know, she, she's now taking a little bit more on the curation side rather than creating artwork. Yeah. Well, you both have a really great eye for, uh, for curation. So thank you. Curation itself is an art form. So even if it's, uh, you know, fewer, fewer times that you're exhibiting your own work, your, your creation yeah. still shines through. <laughs> also, and as a, as a follow-up to your, the second part of that question, like, so the work paradigm champions are work that pass both Sarah's tests and Jason tests. Since we both have very different tastes, if we both like uh, an artist's work, then we really just fell in love with the work. And the work itself, you can tell, we really value the art process behind each piece of the work that we show. We love seeing the result of like Kelly Cosma meticulously sewing French knots into her pieces and, and love seeing Alex Edmond Lawn meticulously cut into like all of those digital collages that he made and creating them in layers. And, you know, and, and besides that, like, love, absolutely love seeing every single crochet Caitlin McCormick is making to sculpt her sculptures. Time makes the best work on my book. <laughs> I, I love that. And uh, Paradigm ends up always being one of my favorite galleries. I think the combination of both yours and Sarah's eye makes some incredible, uh, an incredible roster of artists that you you show. So I, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Also, uh, for everyone listening out there, we'll we'll include the link to uh, to Paradigm's website at the end of this podcast as well, and you should definitely check it out. It's a great place if you're you know kind of interested in you know what Jason and Sarah's eye that he's talking about is. You can take a look at the artist's work on their website and really get a feel for it. It's vibrant. It's diverse. I, I would say it's work that's across many different types of media. Yeah. And it's, it's very process driven. All right, Jason. So you sell art in a plethora of ways at your gallery, your large online store at art fairs. What is your strategy for getting clients to buy work? Okay. My strategy is to find a amazing business partner and her name is Sarah McCorston. <laughs> <laughs> that woman provides the best customer service, the best, honestly. She makes sure all of the emails from potential buyers and collectors are answered personally. 
and does her best to fulfill all of their requests, such as like if they request uh, more photo of the piece that they're interested or having a finger or hand in the piece in the photo to show scale, anything that if we could help provide those information, she will do her best to get it for them. And also like she treats every collector like her personal friends. And let's be honest, a lot of them have became personal friends. And I think that's the, the level of like love she has for her job. If it's not for Sarah, like I wouldn't be here today. And you know, she is she is the secret. <laughs> um, well, knowing Sarah myself, I can definitely attest to what you're saying. Sarah is wonderful. And you know, artists listening, a couple key points that Jason mentioned. So having really good customer service, you know, being prompt and personal, I would say is a is a good way to to sum it up with, you know, emails or just however you're following up with someone who's interested. You know, it does make a difference, you know, if you follow up with someone the next day or later that day after you met them versus, you know, a week and a half later, let's say you're at an exhibition, they're going to feel like you're, you know, really taking the time and, and excited to, uh, to follow up and talk to them specifically. Sarah does an amazing job with this. Oh, she, she does. And, you know, the more I try to help her, it, it I just slow her down. So, <laughs> you know, now I, now I kind of learned that be like, okay, just, just let me know what you need from me and I'll provide the support you need. <laughs> so everyone track down Sarah and get her to sell your work for you. <laughs> And and that is that is my secret. <laughs> I love it. But also at the same time, you know, take take some notes from what he's mentioning that that Sarah does and just be really excited about your own art and selling it if you're selling it yourself or if you are looking to find someone to sell your art for you whether it's a manager, an agent, a gallery director, whatever it may be, make sure that they're as excited about your art as you are and that's that's going to shine through. That's going to be you know, what gets people going from considering your art to deciding to buy it. So I a lot of the time too, it's it's like being excited with the person that's exciting about your work. You know, that's that's the important part too, because you have to like the work first to be able to be excited with the buyer and be able to be personable with them. Like a lot of the time when when we're selling the work, it's not about us selling a product, but more so it's making that personal connection, like really understanding why the collector like connect with the piece and really understanding the piece so that you can really show the client like, oh, this is why you love it. And this is why we love it. And you know, when, when that happened, it's just like, oh, we just see eye to eye. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. This is something else that's come up, come up a lot on the podcast with different guests and it's the idea of relationships, right? Absolutely. I think if you are an artist and you you only like to yourself, like I feel like a lot of artists are do that. I mean, let, let's be honest. I do that sometimes because you know I need I need time to process my thoughts and stuff, and need time to just do my work. But at the same time, it's okay to just say thank you to someone that is paying attention to your work and maybe talk to them about it and see what they like about your work. Or even if something they see differently, and maybe it's something that would be something that you can pay attention to, either avoid it or 
act upon on it the next time, make sure it happened again. You know, like it, it's important to even just talk to people about your work. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that sometimes, you know, the word relationships gets a negative connotation when it comes to something like, you know, selling art. I, th- I think a lot of the times people think that like, oh, when a gallery has relationships, it's like super exclusive. From my perspective, it's more about developing relationships. It's not about like knowing rich people or anything like that. It's like art is so personal and you need to be getting someone excited, not just about the work, but about you as an artist. You know, decor is is uh, widely available. Someone could buy something that's, you know, $40 and put it on their wall, call it a day. But yeah, yeah. And, and I agree, um, you know, uh, a good uh, art dealer, they not only sell the work, but they they make the connection so that they will collect your work. Like that's the difference. And that doesn't happen if you don't have a a good relationship with the with the collector and with the artist. So we are doing that part of bridging the gap from like what the mind of the artist and what the mind of the collector. And then that's where it bridged together, where like you you understand the work so you you support the artist that's the relationship we're trying to to create yeah absolutely i i would say that developing that relationship it's almost like putting a little mental billboard inside the person's mind because when they're thinking about like hey you know i have this spot on my wall i'm looking for another piece of art you know you'll become top of mind either you as the gallery or you as an an artist or whatever you'll be the first to come to mind because they're going to have such positive experiences with buying art from you. They're, you know, like, Oh, for sure. So-and-so and and, they're so excited about the art that they sell. And, you know, I just, you know, when, if I'm going to have something on my wall, I want it to be something that makes me smile when I look at it. And part of that comes from knowing the person. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of like gallery get a bad name for like, uh, or artists are like complaining how much commission they're they're making, but at the same time, if it's not for the gallery that shows your work at an art fair, they spend a lot of money doing that as well. Like art, uh, art fairs can varies from like a lot of money and to you know hundreds and thousands into promotion and stuff like that. So like those are the work that galleries are doing. Those are the the, the relationship are being built that way. Absolutely. What should our listeners do right now to start revving up their careers in a big way? Yeah, I, I honestly, personally, I, I struggle with that question because all of the things that I do in my career takes immense amount of time. Some works and some doesn't, you know, like the dry plate thing. And now I change practice and just like everything, you know, some work, some doesn't. So I, I, I think allowing yourself to to have the time to be the best version of yourself in your craft. You might find that that thing you've been doing for a long time isn't your thing. And that's okay. You know, allow yourself the time to to try new things, maybe even collaborate with a different artist or collaborate with multiple artists and and learn about their their process and see what you can do uh, with yours. And and I think a lot of it too, it's, it's just art is like fine wine. You need time to ferment it. And maybe that new thing will just be the big thing you need in your career. 
Fine art is like fine wine. I could not have said it better myself. And also allow yourself the time to be the best version of yourself in your craft. Jason, that's such great advice. Thank you so much. (laughs) To all of you business artists out there, Jason has been here with us today sharing his amazing perspective. You'll definitely want to go back, look at our show notes. You can listen to this and all of our past podcasts on our website at www.superfine.world. To connect with Jason, you can follow him at ParadigmGS and at JugglingWolf on Instagram. And you can also visit www.jugglingwolf.com and thatchinesekid.com and www.paradigmarts.org. Those will all be in the show notes as well. As always, remember that we are at Superfine Art Fair on Instagram. We always appreciate a share whenever you're listening to enjoying the artist business plan. And once again, we'd really appreciate if you could take just a moment of your time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts. These ratings and reviews are so, so critical in helping other artists, entrepreneurs, just like yourselves, find us. And as always, I'd like to wrap up the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. Today's quote is, one day I will find the right words and they will be simple. That is by Jack Kerouac. Jason, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for sharing your perspective with our listeners. For that, we are so grateful. Thank you so much, James. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks, Jason. Everyone else, have an awesome rest of your day. And remember to stay on top of your artist business plan. Get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. Yeah.